Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. It's Thursday. It's November 16th. The month is halfway over. I mean, oh my gosh, this, this, my, what is this, my fall semester of my junior year of college almost coming to an end. Only about two weeks, three weeks left. It's crazy how fast time flies by, flies by, guys. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's It's been an amazing semester, been a really good, just a good year. 2023 has been a very solid year, a lot of good. The downs have not been that uh, often, but um, yeah, we're here with a fun episode today, of course, previewing UFC Vegas 82, also known as UFC Fight Night, Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Uh, UFC Vegas 82, if no one knows, is the 82nd event at the UFC Apex in uh, Las Vegas. So uh, UFC Vegas 82. This started during COVID when they started having events at the Apex because they couldn't have anyone at the event. So now they still do them, which kind of sucks because um, arena events are way better. But uh, we get UFC nonetheless. So that will be going down this Saturday night. Uh, we got like 13 or I think 14 fights um, as of now before the weigh-in. So uh, we'll be breaking down every single one of those and giving my prediction as well, a weekly thing um, until January or February or even like December, um, NFL, the NFL. We're in week 11 now. I'll be dropping all my predictions for all the matchups in week 11, looking at uh, what I need fantasy-wise from some of the players. Should be fun. And also our surprise, uh, surprise topic, surprise edition of this episode is I will be ranking my top 10 TV shows. Stay tuned for that. That's going to be a fun segment. Of course, checking in with some leagues, talking about some other stuff in life and uh, all sorts of stuff here on the Surprise Jab podcast. But yes, it's been a it's been a pretty good week. Today I actually had to table uh, tabling for my company, Evergrowing Co. If no one knows, this semester I've been in this uh, integrated business experience, this IBE program at uh, Minnesota State Mankato, where I basically start a small company with a bunch of other uh, students, and it's been super fun. We are trying to, we already broke even, but now we spent money to try and make more money back because we have to donate to charity, and we want our donation to be higher. But uh, it's been an absolute blast. I've been able to go on the news, do radio interviews, talk to more people than I've ever talked to in my life it's it's just been a blast so yeah if you guys want to go to evergrowing co uh ibe.com you could pick one of those up you could dm me about it or you can even look at the instagram because i partially or pretty much mainly me run the instagram which is super fun i met some amazing people in the class and uh yeah Met some, made some connections that will never go away. But yeah, check out our company. We sell hoodies, three different, uh, I was going to say styles, but colors. We sell charcoal, which is just like a gray, tan, which is like a cream, and the uh, pine green. You know, it's just a green. It's uh, They're all very good. All profits go to Mankato Youth Place in Mankato. So check that out if you guys have time. And honestly, if you uh, buy one and you come back here and you tell me what's a code word I can use. The code word will be Sopranos. If you just DM me, text me Sopranos, I will, uh, I'll buy you a gift of some sort. I'll shoot you a Venmo for some money just to see if anyone actually listens to this and goes, uh, goes on to do that. So if, uh, if anyone buys, um, a sweatshirt and comes back and uses the word Sopranos, that will be, uh, I'll send you, I'll shoot you a gift of some sort. But, uh, without a doubt, let's, uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, should be a nice little, ch- should be a nice chill weekend. I do have a lot of assignments, a lot of papers, a lot of, uh, a lot of essays. 
essays I have to write to round out my semesters, as well as some exams. But um, that's all for the future. As for now, we're talking about UFC. So let's check it out with some new fights, some new announcements of sorts. Um, Before we get into any of the fights, no big ones, really, just some smaller ones. UFC Shanghai, which is supposed to go down in Shanghai, China, on December 9th, has actually been canceled due to some, I don't know if it was scheduling issues with something, just the event fell through. I I don't know the exact details about it, but that event has now been moved to Las Vegas, I'm assuming at the Apex, the main event, of course, top 15, um, Bantamweight, Song Dong, and Chris Gutierrez in the main event. The card itself is not that strong, all right? There's not many very, there's not many very, there's not many good fights on the card, I mean, just going now to look at what the UFC has on their official page, they only have Song Ye Dong versus Chris Gutierrez listed. So um, I don't know what other fights are going to be official for that, but uh, as of now, number 14, Chris Gutierrez, number 7 ranked Song Ye Dong in the Bantamweight division will be fighting on that date. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't uh, get canceled. But um, yeah, shame, shame. It would have been a fun event, but they just didn't have that many big big hitters. And you have a woman's champion, Shang Wei Li, who is Chinese, and you also have a number like two ranked contender in that division, Yan Chaonin. That would have been the perfect main event for a Chinese pay-per-view. Not pay-per-view, but just fight night in general. So um shame that that one's not going through. But we have gotten some minor fight announcements to uh talk about. So um one of them being uh, Alicia, Alicia Cobb Karizov will be taking on Mahmoud Muradov February 3rd at an unannounced uh, location, but it should be a fight night February 3rd. Alash Kebab, the Black Wolf Karizov, is 14-0. He finished his uh, UFC debut in round one earlier this year. Dude's an absolute killer. He should be fun to watch. And as for Mahmoud Muradov, he's coming off a dominant win over Brian Barbarina. This guy's 4-2 in the UFC, 26-8 and professionally. From Uzbekistan, uh, Karizov is from Russia, so we get a little international fight. I, I hope that February third card is in Minnesota. I, I really have faith that it will be, but uh, it would be pretty cool if they uh, if they did that. Another fight announced is Themba Gorimbo versus Kiefer Crosby. If no one knows who Themba Gorimbo is, he is actually the fighter who The Rock, that's right, The Rock Dwayne Johnson, gifted a house. I saw a segment about that. The Rock was posting about it, who actually went on the Joe Rogan podcast. I'll have to check out that episode. But uh, Themba finally getting another fight. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC, coming off a big win. 11-4 um, and four professionally. He moved from Zimbabwe. Uh, he's, just a, he's just a stand-up guy, the definition of just hard work, chasing a dream. I mean, he he has all his goals written on just like a normal scratch piece of paper. He tapes it up. But uh, yeah, The Rock gifted him a house. It was an crazy. It was incredible, incredible story. Very much like that. Big fan of Themba Go Rimbo. He'll be taking on Kiefer Crosby, who trains at the same gym in uh, Ireland as Conor McGregor. So he's part of that team there at SBG Ireland. Um, he did lose his UFC debut earlier this year. Actually, that might have been at UFC 293 in um, September in Australia, which was the event he lost at. But, uh, you know, he's 10-4 professionally, and uh, he actually holds a win over Alex Oliveira, former uh, UFC fighter. So it uh, should be cool to see that fight. That fight goes down February 3rd as well. Um, any other interesting ones? Uh, ooh, nice one at middleweight between uh, Brad Tavares and Gregory Rodriguez. Brad Tavares has been a staple 
of the division for a while, was ranked in middleweight for a time. He had fight nights. He's fought Adesanya. He's fought Robert Whitaker. He's fought just about all the top guys. Drissic Duplessis he recently fought. Now he's coming off a loss to Bruno Silva and knocked him out in round one. But uh, he's back, though, 20-8 and eight professionally, 15-8 and eight in the UFC. So, I mean, this guy, 23 fights in the UFC. This will be his 24th. His biggest wins probably over, uh, oh, he, he's actually coming off a win over Chris Weidman. I forgot about that fight. So, yes, Brad Tavares is coming off of a win. But it's, it's not easy. Seize for him when you're good. He'll take on Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, also known as Violent Obama. Looks like Obama. Looks like Robocop. I have no idea. He's got some goofy nicknames. He's 14 and 5 professionally, 5 and 2 in the UFC. Wins over Julian Marquez, Chidi and Chukwe, and Jun Young Park. I mean, he's had fight of the nights. He's had performance of the nights. Gregory Rodriguez is a top guy who, honestly, honestly, I'm being serious. He could contend with some of the top 15 guys. I mean, I'd pick Gregory Rodriguez over Chris Curtis, probably Kelvin Gastelum. Jack Hermanson. I mean, we're up to the number nine ranked guys now in middleweight. So Gregory Rodriguez, super good. That fight goes down February 10th at an unannounced location. So it could be a UFC 298. could be a fight night. We'll see. I mean, 2024 is creeping up on us. I mean, man, just the year, the year is flying by and it makes me sad. It makes me sad just because of I'm aware how good this year has been. I'm aware of how good life is right now, and it always it always makes me kind of emotional when the times change. But that's that's just life. There's nothing to do about it, you know. God God's got us, and uh, well, you know, everything will be fine. Last fight that was announced, courtesy of Big Marcel. I mean, he is just the he's the guy that knows the, all, everyone. He's like the. Uh, the um the Woj of the uh, MMA world, um, Woj he drops a bunch of uh, NFL news all the time. Um, Jasmine Jasu Davis versus Priscilla Cashuera going down at UFC 297 in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, January 20th. Jasmine is just a very popular, very popular um, Canadian fighter. She's on the rise in the women's flyweight division. Happy to see her fight. She's 3-2 and two in the UFC, 9-3 and three professionally, but I uh, always like seeing the Canadian fighters get on the card. As for Priscilla Cashuela, look, she, she gets she gets wins over like Shayna Dobson, June Young Park, Ariane Lipsky, but then every, anytime she's faced with a ranked opponent, she loses. But Priscilla Cashuela, very tough fighter, 4-4 four four in the UFC, 12-4 professionally. She's from Brazil. She'll be fighting her, um, yeah. At 297, which should be a great event. It is that card is just actually shaped up, looking so good. We get two title fights. I mean, Jan Blahovich, Alexander Rockich. You get Mike Mallet, Neil Magny, Mosfar Evlov, Arnold Allen. That card is going to be worth the money. But yeah, other than that, no other fights, no other changes to any upcoming cards. But uh, if we do, we will cover it here on the Surprise Jab Podcast. Um, let's do a little check-in with our uh, NBA and our NHL league. See how everyone's doing. I know my Timberwolves have been, <laughs> excuse me, have been hot. Timberwolves eight and three. Oh, they oh they did lose. They lost their last game. Wow, I didn't even know that. Their first conference loss of the season. Poor Timberwolves, but they're still third in the West with a record of eight and three. Nuggets nine and two, still the best team in the West. Best team? No, oh, no. They're tied for best team in the league with the uh, Celtics. But uh, Mavericks are 9-3 and three as well in the West. They're coming off a win. Been looking pretty good. Rockets 6-3 and three on a six-game win streak. Still at fourth. 
Thunder, 7-4. and four. Man, Chet Holmgren, some of them young boys, Josh Giddy, they've been doing great. Kings are at 6 right now on a four-game win streak. DeMontis Sabonis, Saboner, been going absolutely crazy. Warriors, 6-6 six and six on a four-game losing streak, just absolutely falling apart. And the team's not that different. I mean, I mean, Curry, he has been out for a bit, so Chris Ball has needed to step up, but just kind of a shocker there. Lakers at 8, um, coming off of a loss there, 6-6. Six and six. But um, the biggest losers of the conference, Clippers, are 3-7 and seven on a six-game losing streak yet to win uh, with uh, James Harden on the team, still winless without him. Spurs, also 3-8 and eight, uh, on a six-game losing streak. Victor Wembanyama, you know, he's been, he's been balling, but in not getting the wins. And Trailblazers, as expected, five-game losing streak, 3-8. and eight. But not as bad as the Grizzlies, who are 2-9. Just absolutely terrible there. So Nuggets, Mavericks. Timberwolves all chopping it up at the top of the West. In the Eastern Conference, though, Celtics still atop, 9-2 on a little four-game win streak. 76ers in second, they are 8-3, two-game losing streak for them. Heat, though, after a 1-4 start, are now on a six-game win streak. Very impressive. Heat are now, uh, or no, yes, the Heat 7-4, liked what I've been seeing from them. Pacers 7-4 as well, Bucks 7-4, two-game win streak. Jan has been doing well. And Nets 6-5. After uh, dropping all of their stars, impressive there. Knicks six and five, Hawks six and five. A lot of middle of the pack teams, but actually the worst team in the NBA. We're gonna give it to them, the uh, Detroit Pistons. Two and ten, nine game losing streak, just atrocious. Wizards two and nine, four game losing streak. Wow, tough stuff for the tough stuff for the Pistons, the uh, Wizards. Um, and who's a team in the West? The Grizzlies and the Trailblazers. There's just a lot of bad teams. Timberwolves, though, are actually red hot right now, and I'm all here for it. I'll, let me just tell you that. I'm all here for it. I love I love when the Timberwolves do well, even though I don't really watch their games too often. I still I still am a fan. I always check in with the records. It's kind of what I do, but um, it's going to be a long season. Let's hope they can continue that momentum as it uh, rolls into the new year. In the NHL side of things, that's right, we're going from the court to the ice. Um, Atlantic Division Bruins, 12-1-2, still only have three losses. This team's been looking amazing. Panthers, though, 10-4-1 on a five-game win streak. They're creeping up on them. Lightning at fifth, though, in the Atlantic, 6-6 six six on a three-game losing streak. Also have four overtime losses. Senators, worst team in the Atlantic, but only 7-7, seven seven, not too bad, 500. In the Central Division, my uh, Minnesota Wild, 5-8-2. Three-game losing streak there at 6. Yeah, not looking like it's going to be the Wilds year. Stars, top of the Central Division, 11-3-1 record. Uh, Four-game win streak as well. Blues in fourth, 8-5-1 with a three-game win streak. Looking pretty good there. Predators, 5-10. 5-10, only have 10 points on the season. Four-game losing streak. In the Metropolitan Division, Rangers, 11-2-1, tied for uh, the best team potentially. Three-game win streak. Capitals 8-4-2 and two on a three-game win streak. Penguins, after a rough start, are now 8-6 and six on a five-game win streak. Terrible teams, though, towards the bottom. Islanders 5-6-4, six six-game losing streak. Blue Jackets 4-8-4, four, four, six-game losing streak as well. Been a rough start to the season for them as we cross the uh, eighth, the one-eighth mark. I'm trying to decide 82 games, however you want to phrase that. Canucks 12 and 3 and 1 as well as the Golden Knights 12 3 and 1. So Canucks and Golden Knights got the most wins out of the league. They're both in the Pacific Division. Um Kraken 5 8 and 4, 3 game losing streak unfortunately there at fifth. And the worst team in the NHL currently the San Jose Sharks, 3 game losing streak, 2 13 and 1. 
Homo at this point will be lucky if the Sharks get 10 wins on this season. But yeah, Canucks, Golden Knights, Rangers, Stars, Avalanche, Bruins, Panthers, all been chopping it up with double-digit wins. To kick off the NHL season, I'll have to bring back on uh, Cole and Jane, my NHL experts. You know, I'll say I'd bring on uh, Garrett as well, one of my buddies down here. He knows a lot about the NHL. So it's always cool to hear their opinions on everything because they're actual, they're avid uh, hockey fans, you know, but um, I don't know. I just like, to, I just like looking at the records, looking uh, to see how the teams are doing like that, but um, occasionally I'll see some highlights online, you know, but I am, a, I'll be honest, I, I had to check myself yesterday because I have been on Instagram and TikTok and just social media too much in general, and it was someone in one of my classes today who I've just noticed, you know, they, they have a decent following on social media, but they're just never really on it. And, you know, they're busy doing other things in life. And I kind of realized, you know, if I didn't spend as much time on social media, I feel like I could accomplish a lot more because I'm not really like a content creator. I mean, occasionally I'll make my TikToks for a UFC event, which I got to remember to do actually. But other than that, you know, I, I've been trying to cook up an Instagram post. I have some ideas, but I kind of just need a good fit, a good setting. Uh, I kind of just want to get some pics of myself, maybe some pics with the boys or something. We'll work on that. But, um, of course, I'll post it on the socials if I ever let you know. As well, a little uh, shout-out for trying to get sponsored by Hoist. Hoist, I will continue to shout you out. I mean, I was going to give up, but I'm like, you know what? I like this little uh, hydration drink. I very much enjoy it. It's great with veterans. It's great with, like, the military, police, first responders, new black cherry flavor drop-in. Hoist, I'll continue to tag you in my Instagram post, but, you know, I would be happy to support you. Get the brand out there. And if I were to get sponsored, Hoist, first off, let me just say is that I would um, I would post on my main story with you guys because uh, I'm all about getting sponsored, maybe making some extra some extra money, doing some things I love, which is uh, talking on the podcast about all, all sorts of activities. But um, yes, Hoist, always here for you. Love Hoist. All righty, um, we got only uh, three more segments left, but they'll all take a decent amount of time. I think we just dive into these Week 11 NFL predictions. I think I think that's the move. I think that's what we're going to go with. And then we'll uh, go over my top 10 TV shows. And then we'll, of course, preview UFC Vegas 82. That sounds like a sounds like pretty swell plan to me. And honestly, I, I hold the reins of what I do. So, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing really to debate in that market. But yes, um, week 11 of the NFL kicks off tonight, actually, with the Bengals visiting the Ravens. Uh, my prediction is the Ravens, you know, and by the looks of it, my entire family is going with the Ravens. I just think it's my buddy Dane in our picks pool who's going with the uh, Bengals. Um, actually, I've been doing pretty good in that pick'em league. I have been doing pretty good. In my school's league, I won one week, which got me on the wall of fame which is pretty cool, but um, other than that, I've been middle of the pack. But as long as I beat my two buddies, that's all I'm happy about. So, uh, yes, let's uh, let's get right into it. Bengals, Ravens, divisional matchup. Uh, Ravens currently 7-3, and three, coming off of a loss last week. Bengals 5-4, and four, fourth in the AFC North division, coming off of a loss as well. You know, I'll be honest, the offense of both of these teams is good. I significantly think the Ravens' defense is much better, and I mean fantasy-wise, the Ravens have the number two defense 
in the league. I mean, on the year, 10 interceptions, five fumble recoveries, 39 sacks. They do. They actually got a touchdown last week, I think it was. Kyle Hamilton got a little pick six. So uh, good stuff from them. Actually have the Ravens defense in multiple leagues for fantasy football. But, you know, Joe Mixon just not been producing high-level stats. He's had a, a couple good weeks here and there. T. Higgins will be out for this game, which I do feel is uh, somewhat notable. Um, pretty, uh, pretty notable if you ask me, because T. Higgins does play an impact. Jamar Chase, not really breaking out as much as I thought he would this year. Um, Lamar Jackson is actually putting up amazing stats, better than his MVP season, but, um, the Ravens just be losing close games. Seven and three though record, one of the best teams in the AFC, much, you could even go as far to say the NFL in general, I believe they're actually second in the AFC behind the Chiefs. So, um, we'll be going with the Ravens in this one. Um, I don't think if they have, have they played yet? I don't believe that they've played each other yet. If I, if I'm not mistaken, I I do want to double check that because, oh, they actually did. They played September 17th. Ravens won 27 to 24. So they had a week two matchup. Um, let's actually visit those matchup stats, uh, box score. That's actually what I'm looking for. Lamar threw for two tutties. Uh, Gus Edwards punching a touchdown. Man, Gus Edwards, I got him in fancy. He's been punching in touchdowns like no tomorrow. Honestly, very, very impressive from me. He's only 17th in fantasy, but I won't lie. In the last four games, he has seven touchdowns. So very impressive stats from Gus Edwards in a very awkward Ravens locker room. Um, also in that matchup, Joe Burrow, 222 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Um, Joe Mixon only had 59 yards rushing. I mean, Tyler Boyd was a little... T. Higgins had eight catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. That was the game T. Higgins popped off, his only good game of the season, if you ask me. But, um, yeah, we'll just... Uh, we're going with the Ravens. Pretty confident in that pick. I mean, best team best team in the uh, AFC North. And, you know, it's a crowded AFC North. Steelers are doing good. Browns are doing good. Probably the best division in football. But uh, we're going to go with the Ravens. Kicking us. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologies. Usually I cut out the coughing, but I'm, I, you know, I've been sick. You know, the coughs have been going down slowly. My Monday episode after my news interview, I was coughing like no tomorrow just was absolutely horrendous. And um, yeah, we're, we're slowly getting better, better though. We're getting healthier. Kicking us off on a Sunday, we got the Cowboys visiting the Panthers. I mean, I don't know what you want to tell me. The 6-3 and three Cowboys, which with an insane offense, great defense, number one defense in the league. Taking on the 1-8 Panthers, the worst team in the league. Might I add you, 153 points for they're the worst offense. Oh, second worst offense in the NFC. Uh, trying, to, trying to see what else, who else has not scored more points than the Steelers have. So, I mean, actually, Jets and Patriots offenses, both are pretty brutal. But um, this Panthers team, it's just it's just not been clicking. Not been clicking this season for the Panthers. Rookie QB, got veterans in the uh, backfield rushing. You got veterans wideouts. It's just, nothing's clicked. Nothing's clicked. Panthers, not a good team on a little two-game losing streak. And, you know, you look at the Cowboys, all right? They're coming off a win last week. Their three losses are to tough teams. I know they've lost to the Eagles. That Cardinals loss was awkward. Um, well, who else did the Cowboys lose to? They had, they, didn't they have another awkward loss? You know, they blow out the Giants 49-17, blow out the Rams 43-20. Ah, they got blown out by the 49ers. That is just a weird thought. 
49ers, though, they actually got back this week. So uh, we'll be getting to them in a second. But yeah, we're easily going with the Cowboys. Cowboys should run, just absolutely run through. I'd honestly say more passing through the um, Panthers. Their defense should eat the Panthers' offense alive. But if it's anything like the Cardinals game, there can always be a shocker. And actually, it was Josh Dobbs who led that win over the uh, Cowboys for the uh, Cardinals. But yeah, we're going with the Cowboys without a doubt. Got to be one of the locks of the week. That would be a huge upset if the Panthers get that done. But I do predict that uh, Dak Prescott will lead them to a win and a 7-3 and record. Um, next one, a good one in the AFC North. Wow, it's just AFC North matchup week as the Steelers will be visiting the Browns. This should be an interesting one. Steelers are 6-3, and two-game win streak. Browns are 6-3, and two-game win streak. I mean, clearly, clearly this defense of the Browns, only given up 170 points on the year, uh, have looked phenomenal. Miles Garrett's looked great. I mean, got my old my old uh, Vikings buddy, Zadarius, uh, Zadarius Smith. Is that what it is? Whatever it is. So Darius, he's on the team now. Their secondary is great. Linebackers are great. Defensive line is just immaculate. This Browns defense has been carrying the team. Now, Deshaun Watson is out for the year, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that should limit Amari Cooper a bit, sadly. But um, I think they're starting Dorian, whatever his name is, Robinson, Smith, whatever his freaking name is. He'll be, ta- he'll be getting the nod over P.J. Walker. So that should, that should bring up some implications. But the Steelers' defense... Only good thing about this team. They've only allowed 182 points, but this offense only 156 points. Matt Canada sucks. Kenny Pickett can only do so much um, with Matt Canna. I mean, and Najee tries. Warren is clearly the better back. He's clearly come out as a great uh, great wideout. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, they try their hardest. Not much, uh, not much to tell them. Not much at all. But yeah, we're going to go with the Browns in this matchup. I think it comes down to a defensive battle, and this Browns defense is better than the Steelers defense. So we're going to go with the Browns over the Steelers. Um, Another divisional matchup as the Bears will be visiting Detroit. They'll be going to uh, take on the Lions, and I was actually supposed to go with this game. Fun fact, but um, didn't work out. Trip fell through, and I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I have no interest to see the Bears play. But um, I don't know. Speaking of the Bears, they're coming off a win last week. You know, this offense actually has put up 204 points. No idea how. They do still boast in uh, a negative 51-point differential. They're 3-7, and seven, definitely nowhere near the best teams in the league. But um, and the Lions, 7-2, and two, two-game win streak. Plus 38 point differential, 241 points put up on the year. This Lions team looks really good. They have looked immaculate. I do think it could be a divisional matchup like one of these that messes them up. But I think it's the Vikings who mess them up, not the Bears. We're going with the Lions. Sam Laporta, do your thing. Um, David Montgomery, do your thing. I mean, I'll even Jared Goff, I don't think I'm starting you, but uh, do your thing. Jared Goff. No, I have no players on this Bears team. I, I think I've tried in the past to start Bears players. It just never works out. Just never works out. The Bears, just a, just an awkward franchise. That's all I can say. No idea what they're going to do. I, I don't even think Justin Fields is back this week. Um, this Lions team, they are freaking hot. The second best team in the NFC uh, in the NFC in general. Second best team in the NFC. And I believe they're the third or fourth best team in the league. So good stuff from the Lions this year. Cardinals and Texans will be up next. And this should be an interesting one. This should be an interesting one. Uh, Cardinals, obviously 2-8. and eight. They are coming off a win last week. Kyler Murray sort of has lit a spark back under this team. But the one thing that is unfortunate for Kyler Murray is that C.J. Stroud has finally found himself. Texans are 5-4, two-game win streak. 
They are now at a plus 25-point differential, second in the AFC South, and they're, they're actually been surging. They've been surging. Um, same thing for the Colts. Um, they've been looking good, too. But um, the Texans, they're now second in the AFC South. Wild card potential is very much out there. And they could even win the AFC South if the Jaguars play how they played last week. And C.J. Stroud continues to put up good numbers. Devin Singletary did well last week. Uh, Tank Dell was looking great. So was uh, Nico Collins. So um, without a doubt, I'm riding with the Texans in this one. They've been impressing me of late. I've liked what I've seen. And even though Kyler Murray's kind of kind of back, you know, he's kind of doing his thing, there's just something about this Cardinals team. Their defense is not there at all. Even though they got some weapons on offense, I don't think it's enough for this Cardinals team to uh, to compete at all. Raiders and Dolphins. Finally, the Dolphins are back in action. Miss them. I've missed you, Tyreek. I've missed you, Raheem Mostert. Even watching Tua sling it to Jalen Waddle. I missed all that. You know, I, I will I will give the Raiders props. They're on a two-game win streak. They're five and five, second in the AFC West. Um, do still do still have a just an absolutely terrible minus 33 point differential. Um, and sadly for this Raiders team, you know, their offense only put up 172 points, not the best offense in the slightest. It's, uh, they're facing a immaculate, immaculate offense, the best offense in the league, in my opinion, the six and three Dolphins who lead the AFC West or the AFC West, the AFC East, 285 points so far this season. I believe that's the most 285 in the league. Cowboys have 269. That's probably the closest that I've seen. Colts have 242. Bills have 262. But yeah, the Dolphins, 285. They get um, two touchdowns and a field goal, and they will pass the 300 mark for points on the season. But they're, they're one flaw. They are coming off of a loss, might I add you. Now, that was a that was a tough loss for the Dolphins as they uh, fortunately lost to the Chiefs, 21-14. By the way, their only other losses are to the Eagles and to the Bills. So only tough losses for the Dolphins on this season. But their defense has given up 225 points. This is not a strong defense. You know, it's a good defense. I won't lie, it's a good defense. But they've given up a lot of points. All right, but their offense, it can make up for that. It'll run through this Raiders D, I believe. And even this Dolphins D can tear through this Raiders offense. Because this Raiders offense is not that hot. Obviously, <laughs> obviously the... Um, the goal that the new uh, head coach gave to uh, Aiden O'Connell is get the ball to Devontae Adams, but that's just it's just not as easy as it sounds. It's not as easy as it sounds. We'll see what happens, but we're going with the Dolphins in this matchup. Big thanks from Tyreek Hill. I really need that. Another divisional matchup here between the Giants. They'll be visiting the Commanders in Washington, D.C. The... Um, Wow, just a this is actually an interesting one. This is actually an interesting one. Now, Giants are two and eight, three game losing streak, 118 points, probably the worst offense in football. All right, Commanders four and six. All right, coming off of a loss, but the Commanders have just been looking good, especially Sam Howell. Sam Howell has clearly came out as the Commanders QB. He'll be their QB next season too, and maybe if they had some more weapons, they can do good. But Antonio Gibson, um, Brian Robinson, they just, they're so unpredictable each week. Some weeks they're doing immaculate. They're just putting up so many points. The next weekend, they're just not. And it's tough for fantasy owners of Terry McLaurin, like myself, to rely on him because you have Jahan Dotson on one side. Sometimes he's even throwing it to Logan Thomas. He's, he has too many options. And Sam Howell, I really liked what I've seen from him. He's been looking great. He's now the number five QB in fantasy. Um, 17 touchdowns, um, only nine interceptions on the year. Which is, it's a lot of interceptions. 
But um, the Commanders should be able to get through the Giants, but I won't lie. I'll point this out. This is one of those divisional matchups where you have a mediocre team and a bad team. Giants could easily sneak out a win here, but we're going with the Commanders in this one. Just actually wanted to touch on the teams on a bye this week. There are four teams, Atlanta Falcons on a bye, Indianapolis Colts, New England Patriots, and the Saints. What is what is it? The um, the Saints. What the heck? Why am I mind blanking on the uh, where the Saints are from? Holy cow! What what is going on right now? I, guys, I'm actually having like a like a big big the New Orleans Saints. I don't know. I just had a big mind blank right there. But um, yeah, those those teams are all on a bye. And I won't lie, all four of them desperately need it. Maybe not the Colts. Colts were kind of catching fire. But uh, Falcons, Patriots, and Saints really need to assess everything. Here we go. Here's a good one. Chargers visit the Packers. Look, all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say, Chargers, they're 4-5, and five, all right? They, they are plus 24 point differential, all right? Their offense has been looking great. Defense, not so much, you know? They've been losing close games, but they're taking on the 3-6 and six Packers, coming off a loss, minus 3 point differential for the Packers, and... This offense of the Chargers should shred, shred through the Packers' uh, second secondary, their defense. I'm really confident in Keenan Allen's ability to just sauce them up. Justin Herbert knows what he's doing. But uh, I just th- think it comes down to if this awkward defense can stop this offense of the Packers, which isn't that daunting. It's not a daunting offense from the Packers. So we'll go with the Chargers, and I just like watching the Packers lose. And uh, that'll strengthen the Vikings' lead in the division once we pass the Lions, which is going to happen. Titans and Jags, I mean, the divisional matchups go crazy, crazy this week as we head to the AFC South. Jaguars 6-3 and three atop the division. Titans 3-6 and six below the division. And it's, it's an awkward spot. Titans two-game losing streak. Jaguars... I don't even know what happened with the Jaguars last week. Just completely fell apart. Um, they now have a minus, only have a plus six point differential for the Jags. As for Titans, minus twenty six. It's just ugh, gross down there in um, Tennessee. And I mean, Derrick Henry's just not been doing his thing. Will Levis now the starting QB at the moment? DeAndre Hopkins can only do so much as this QB can do. Um, I, I just don't. I just don't like anything. On this Titans team, personally. As for the Jaguars, there's so much good. There's so much good with this team. I get so perplexed at how they're doing, how they how they lose some of these games. How they lose some of these games. So don't get me wrong. They get blown out by the 49ers. Okay, 34-3. That's that's tough. But then then they'll just um they'll lose to the uh who who are their other losses? They've they've beaten the uh, we're in preseason, what I'm looking at right now. They've lost the Chiefs and the Texans. So, honestly, not too bad of losses for this Jaguars team. I just feel like, honestly, it's just when they lose, it's more notable than when they win. But uh, Trevor Lawrence no longer will... I think I dropped him from my fantasy team in a 10-man league. Travis Etienne, I'm still holding on to him, and I have to hold on to Calvin Ridley in one of my other leagues. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Jaguars in this one. I'm going to put... Actually, I wrote down the Titans... I know, I'm look, I'm now looking at my pick sheet, and I wrote down the Titans for some reason. I don't know why, but now I'm skeptical to change it. I always get skeptical when I say something, and then I go back and look, and I had something else. So now we actually have to make a live decision, live on the podcast, which is pre-recorded, so it's not live, but it's live for me, on if I'm going to go with the Titans or the Jaguars. And you know what? When I look at Derrick Henry, when I look at Derrick Henry, who is just the focal point of the offense for the um, 
the the Titans. He is yet to have a bad game where he doesn't follow it up with a great performance. All right. Two points, two fancy points in week three, followed it up with a 24 bomb, 122 rushing yards and touchdown. Week five, only 43 yards rushing, 9.2 fancy points, followed it up with a 97 yard, one touchdown game, 19.3 points. Now, he just had a 24-yard week against the Buccaneers. Terrible. Only three fantasy points. I think Derrick Henry goes off. I think maybe the Jags get a little rattled. This is a divisional matchup. This is on the road, too. We're going with the Titans over the Jaguars. We're going to hold on to it. I'm not changing my original picks I made, which I think I do on, like, Tuesday. So I do them, like, fresh after the Monday Night Football game has ended. So we'll ride with the Titans. But, man, I'm surprised I went with that. All right, let's get into our 3.30 games as the 49ers take on the Buccaneers. Little NFC battle here, the 49ers, 6-3. Finally found some mojo last week. One of the best teams in football. 252 points put up, only 143 points given up. So that's a plus 111. Actually, it might be plus 109 point differential. Trying to do some quick math. But yes, this team's been a crazy. Um, Debo's finally back cooking. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. This offense is nuclear. Brock Purdy. Actually, one of my buddies is a Brock Purdy hater, not me. I like Brock Purdy. I like what I see from Brock Purdy. He's been doing his thing. As for the Bucks, plus five point differential. They're four and five, second in the NFC South, which is wide open. NFC South is wide open for some reason. Coming off a huge win last weekend. Um, who did they beat last week? Didn't they win a? Who did they beat last week? They oh they beat the Bucks last week. Of course, I mean the Titans. Of course, the team I just talked about and mentioned that they lost to was the team. But um, you know what? Beat the Titans by two touchdowns. Buccaneers have been doing doing all right, doing all right, losing some close games. I will say that Texans game that was a close game. They should have should have won, but didn't. Um, but yeah, we're not betting against the 49ers. They they they're back. All right, I didn't think they were last week, but they were. We're going 49ers over the Bucks. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, do your freaking thing. Um, let's keep it rolling with a rematch. Already we got a rematch. Jets visit the Bills. That's right. This is a little divisional matchup, and there's some bad blood in this one, ladies and gentlemen, as they faced on the first game of the season, the kickoff game, or actually that was a Monday night game, the first Monday night game of the year, of the year for this team. Of course, it looked like the Bills had sealed the victory, it looked like it was all done, and then a punt return to win the game in overtime, I think it was, was absolutely crazy. And this Jets D is so good. Only 172 points given up. This is one of the best defenses in the league. A must start every week. This offense, 144 points. It's in the bottom 10. It might even be bottom five offenses in the league. I won't lie. Zach Wilson does not have the locker room. He's not of the locker room. It's supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' locker room. Maybe it will be in a couple weeks, maybe a month. Who knows? But um, it's just just not been hot. Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook cannot find their way. Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard can, and Randall Cobb even, they can only succeed as much as Zach Wilson does. So this offense is terrible. But let me just tell you something. The Bills, 5-5, five and five, two-game losing streak. I have no idea how the Bills have been bad. But let me just tell you something. They play to the level of their competition. They play to the level of their competition. Let me just, we'll take you back to that first game where they play the Jets. They lose in overtime on the punt return, but they had lost Aaron Rodgers, all right? And the, the Jets should have been rattled, but they weren't. The Jets played their game. The Bills played down to the level and lost, all right? 
Now they did follow that up, blowing out the Raiders, 38 to 10, blowing out the Commanders, 37 to 3, blowing out the Dolphins, 48 to 20. And then randomly, week five, the Jaguars beat them 25 to 20. And you're kind of like, okay, that's awkward. I'm not used to that, but you know what? Good for the Jaguars. Following week, only beat the Giants by five. It comes down to a goal-lined final pass for a touchdown, and they, they sneak out win. The following week, they lose to the Patriots 29 to 25. The Patriots are one of the worst teams in football. The Bills lose. Following week, October 26th, this is week eight now, 24 to 18, yet again, win the game on a final play from the Bucks, failing, all right? Last weekend, um, not even the last weekend, actually, November 5th, they lose to the Bengals 24 to 18, all right? Crazy stuff there. And last weekend, the whole reason I'm going on this whole spiel, the Broncos beat them 24 to 22, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. We're going with the Jets. All right. This defense is going to stand tall, pick off Josh Allen, make Josh Allen fumble. Um, We're going with the Jets. Let's go. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Although I have no faith in that Jets offense. 330 games wrap up with the Seahawks and the Rams. I just love, I love divisional weeks. They're so fun. They're so fun. Rams back off a bye week. Three game losing streak. What's been going on, Rams? As for Seahawks, coming off of a win. All right. Six and three. Tied for first in the NFC West, by the way, with the 49ers. The Seahawks team has just surprised me very much. So Kenneth Walker been a fourth, fourth, a force. I never have a list. What is that? A fourth? They've been a force this season. He has. Geno Smith been looking good. Tyler Lockett performing exceptionally. Can I find him? Can I find him? He's on my fantasy team somewhere. He's lurking somewhere on the fantasy team. So it might be in my 10-man league. No, it's actually in my 12-man league where I'm first in the league. That would make sense because Tyler Lockett's a dog. Um... Yeah, had 23 fantasy points last weekend, uh, 10 catches, 92 yards, a touchdown. I mean, Tyler Lockett's been looking great. DK Metcalf, as always, is good. I mean, J- Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's been looking great as well. Very much like even Zach Charbonnet, backup running back, been looking good for the Seahawks. Coming off a, coming off a nice win last weekend. Good win for the Seahawks over the Commanders last weekend. As always, the uh, Commanders never make the wins easy. But as for the Rams, they just need to get back that early season mojo. All right, that early season mojo. All right, first off, their backup QB sucks. Brett Ripon or whatever, he's actually awful. Like, I don't know how he's in the NFL. Like, he's actually a bad QB. Um, Offense. I hope you take offense, Brett. Just terrible. Of their six losses, I mean... Let's take a quick look here. Um, 49ers beat them week two. Makes sense. Bengals in week three. Makes sense to me there. Eagles in week five. Makes sense. Cowboys in week eight. Makes sense. The Packers last weekend did not really make sense. Okay. If Matt Stafford's in, I'm liking this team. All right. Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua. 2-2 Atwell. This is an excellent receiving core. All right. Now the running backs. I mean, Daryl Henderson, Royce Freeman, not necessarily appetizing, but not awful. Not awful, but there's just there's nothing from the Rams to warrant me to pick them. I like what I see from the Seahawks. Divisional divisional matchups, always close, but we got to go with the Seahawks in this one. Sunday Night Football, and now let me just tell you, it's my favorite Sunday Night Football of the year as my Minnesota Vikings play the Denver Broncos, and we'll be going. We'll be going to Denver and Minnesota. We'll be going to the Mile High City. Riding our five-game win streak. That is right. I freaking love the Vikings. Have I ever said that? Does anyone, does anyone know that I'm a Vikings fan? 
You know, is that is that a known thing? I hope it's known because I'm just a huge Vikings guy. But yes, five-game win streak, the season of Josh Dobbs has been born. Actually, we now are plus 24, plus 24 point differential, not too shabby. Six and four, second in the NFC North. And we're actually, uh, I'd say we're probably below those two teams. Six, I think we're in the number six spot. Ooh, we actually might be in seventh. For the playoffs. But as of right now, the Vikings are in the playoffs. As for the Broncos, they are fourth in the AFC West, but they're on a three game win streak. This offense has been picking up pace. Defense, been, eh, more of the offense. Russell Wilson's been playing pretty good. So is Cortland Sutton. Um, Javante Williams been doing the best he can. Jerry Judy's Jerry's Judy. But um, yeah, four and five record for them, 196.4, 248 points against. But you have to think 70 of those was against the Dolphins. So you take that out, and this defense hasn't even done that bad of a job. They'd be sub, sub 200. This has just been a crazy little win streak for the Broncos. They've beaten the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Packers. All, are, all I would say all of those are notable. I mean, maybe not so much though the Packers, but Chiefs and Bills are two huge, massive wins for this Broncos team. But you're not stopping the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson is rumored to be playing. So if he does, that just adds to our weaponry. Okay. Tyson Chandler. Ty Chandler's been coming out as a beast. I just I just don't see what the what the Broncos can offer us. All right. Vikings by a million. Vikings to the top. We're winning the Super Bowl this year. It's the season of Dobbs. I love you, Minnesota Vikings. And following that Vikings win, hopefully, you know, I don't want to jinx it. I'll knock on some wood right now. We'll wrap everything up in Week 11 with a Monday night matchup between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Oh, my goodness. This is this a Super Bowl rematch, and this could be a preview of this year's Super Bowl. Eagles 8-1, and one, best team in the NFC by a long shot. Excellent offense, excellent defense, three-game win streak. Chiefs 7-2. and two. Same thing here, an excellent defense this year. Only giving up 143 points. 208 points, you know, the offense hasn't been exhilarating as they have in past years, but not too bad this year. Coming off a big win last week, you know, they, they really need that win. Oh, actually, they had a bye last week. Last played November 5th. Wow, against the Dolphins, so it's been a fat minute for, uh, actually, they were both on a bye last week, so ooh, the matchmakers knew what they were doing here. Look, it's a toss-up for me. I mean, you, you got two excellent QBs, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Some good running backs, DeAndre Swift and uh, Isaiah Pacheco, good wideouts. I think we just go with the Eagles. You know, Eagles have just been better this year. I, I Really, it's a, it's a coin flip for me because both teams are good. I will say maybe the Chiefs being in, in uh, having home field advantage could be a benefit to them, but I, I do like to point out that they, the Chiefs in their— uh, actually, when the Chiefs lost, were they away or home? Were they away or home? They lost to the Broncos away, and they lost to the Lions at home, didn't they? Yeah, the Chiefs lost at home. And as for the, um, actually, I'm pre- actually, I'm pretty sure I know that the Eagles' only loss was to the Jets, and that was on the road. So, I mean, mm, this should be a tough one. But, yeah, we're going to go with the Eagles. We're going with the Eagles in this one, personally because I, uh, I don't know, I, I could start Josh Dobbs or Jalen Hurts. In one of my uh, in my twelve man leagues, I'm kind of torn on what to do, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, what what transpires. But um, yeah, we'll go with the Eagles in this one. That should be an excellent game, though.
And actually, as I'm speaking, well, spoiler alert, uh, Gus Edwards just punched in a touchdown for the Ravens on uh, Thursday Night Football. So very happy to see that. But yeah, we'll leave a week 11 right there. Should be a good weekend. Everything I've seen so far, week 11 looks pretty promising if you're a sports fan. And if you're a TV show fan, you'll like this next segment as I'm going to be going through and ranking my top 10 TV shows. These are ones I've seen. Of course, I am a human being. I have my own personal preference. I'll mention a couple that I haven't seen that I've also heard are good from people. But um, yeah, I'm going to give the voice a little break here and we'll be right back with my top 10 TV shows, I guess, of all time, if you want to say that. All right. Before, before we begin, let me just say I have a lot of of honorable mentions here. I cuz you know, I haven't seen as much. I've seen I've seen a lot of good ones. I've seen a lot of the greats. I've seen a lot of the good TV shows, but I haven't seen all of them. So I do want to say one major one missing is Breaking Bad. I do have to watch Breaking Bad. I've been recommended it by some of my friends. I've just seen on every list how amazing it is. I've seen clips on TikTok of it, and I know how good Breaking Bad is, but I just personally have not got around to watching it. So that's why it's not going to be on the list because if I've, I assume it'd be my number one, two, or three, um, probably when I watch it, which uh, which I could honestly get to, I could get around to watching it, but uh, we'll see, we'll see whenever I get around to it. But it's missing from the list, but I'm aware of how good it is. Another good series I've heard about is actually True Detective, starring Matthew McConaughey. Never seen that, but I've heard it's one of the highest rated TV shows. Um, Suits, Suits, I've heard is a good show. It's just a lot of episodes, you know. My mom's actually watching it now. Uh, once I added it to Netflix, it was a big hit, but I just I just don't have that much time, you know, at the moment to be watching that. Maybe over the winter, depending on what I do this winter, but um, we'll see. We'll see what I decide to go with for uh, if I ever watch Suits, but I doubt it. Peaky Blinders, I've seen the first season of Peaky Blinders, but I only half watched it. Watched like the first two episodes of season two, only half paid attention, but I've heard it gets good after the first season, but uh, I just I can't go off of one season. And I actually, I've heard that's a very good show as well, yet to watch it. Um, on cue with some of my other shows on here is Parks and Rec. I've never fully watched it. I haven't watched enough episodes to consider myself, to consider it worthy of being on my list, but I am aware of how good it is. Uh, one show I actually have watched, which did not make this, is The Umbrella Academy, um, which is actually on Netflix. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Stars, um, trying to think if it stars any big names. I mean, I wouldn't really say any big names, but some notable people. Notable people. Um, I've noticed the first season was amazing. First season, one of the best first seasons I've seen. Second season was also good. Not as good as the first, but still good. And third season was just mediocre. I do hope they make a fourth season, but it's just, it's not really notable. It's a weird show. It's based off of comics. It's just a really odd show. Um, Sex Education, another one of those shows. I'd compare it to Umbrella Academy. Not as big as a fall off. Season one was super good. Season two was super good. Season three is all right. And then season four, the final season was just okay. Just okay. That's all I'm going to say about it. It was just Okay. So, um, yeah, it didn't make the list, but it, it was up there. I really like that. And Practical Jokers. And Practical Jokers, it's weird because I don't really view it as, like, a TV show. Just because there's not really, like, a plot. But it's, it's such a good show. I love it. And Shameless. Shameless is another really good show. I've heard the later seasons suck. And I've actually never seen the earlier seasons. I've seen, like, seasons four to seven, which is just super odd. And it was, it was a very good show. A white boy Carl, one of my favorite characters created of all time. 
And then the two shows that almost made it on my list, um, one of them's Mindhunter by Netflix. Such an amazing show. Mindhunter, such an amazing show. Basically about the creation of the term serial killer, finding the first serial killers, just determining what they are. Um, only two seasons, two of the best TV written TV series, seasons, two of the best written TV seasons I've ever seen. It's a shame they canceled it, but uh, only because it's two seasons, it's not going to make the list. And then also Grimm. If no one's heard of Grimm, it was on NBC and it was basically about like, um, basically like creatures, like basically people would like turn into creatures of sorts. It's just, that's kind of the weird way to say it. They turned to monsters, but it was mixed with kind of like that, um, NCIS type five. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was super good. There were like six seasons of it. I have them all on DVD and I would definitely go back and binge watch all of them. I remember I used to watch each episode in the living room with my mom and dad and I see it so scared. All right. With like the, uh, they like change. Cause they actually had really good CGI. They had excellent CGI for this show, but, um, it didn't crack my top 10 list. I'd say that there are, there's definitely some, uh, TV series on my list that is without a doubt going to be going to be on this list without a doubt. And then there's some I could take off of it, but um, we'll we'll get into it. We got ten shows to get through. We've mentioned some honorable mentions, just about shows I haven't seen or that did not make the list for certain reasons. So without a doubt, let's kick <laughs> kick it off. Excuse me. Wow, why don't I just cough in your ear or uh, in your car, wherever you're listening to this? At number 10, we have Modern Family. Modern Family, one of my favorite shows of all time. I can watch any um, any episode at any time. I will say I've watched probably the first like four seasons so much just because I always say I'm going to do a rewatch and I never make it through. I've never actually seen the final season of the show, which I think is pretty crazy, but I've seen enough of it to know how much I love it. Streams on Hulu currently. And man, just Phil, such good written character. Just so many good jokes. Just the, the writers of this show, so good. They're just so witty. They just make sense. They're so clever. Clever is such an excellent word. Jace has such great character development in the show. Um, I just I just really enjoy it. I just really enjoy this show. It's such a comfort show for me. Just modern family. There's a modern family, you know? Everyone has that J, that one rich, that one rich grandpa, and everyone's got the siblings. It's It's a great, great time. At number nine, we have Community. Now, Community is an odd one for me. Community is an odd one because I love the first four seasons. Definitely the first three so much. Um, season five, I barely got through like the first three episodes. It was so just not it because like it just felt so forced. But um, those first four seasons of Community make up for it. Streams on Netflix. Check it out. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it Jeff Bridges? I don't think that's the name. Of some of the, they have an excellent cast. They have an excellent cast. Um, so witty, just about basically community college. Pokes fun at it. Um, what is it? Oh, Joel McHale. Joel McHale is names Jeff in the show. You also got uh, Donald Glover's in there. Uh, you also got Allison Brie, good actress. Jillian Jacobs, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase just unbeatable. Ken Jong's in there too. John, John Oliver is in this show, which I just find hilarious that John Oliver is in this show. But um. Yeah, such a good time. So so many good jokes. And just the stuff Chevy Chase says in this show would never fly in today's society. But it's too funny to not, not throw on here. Gotta throw a little shout out to community. I love you. At number eight, and the reason it's at eight is because of how mainstream it is. It almost has kind of ruined it because just because of the fan base of it. But we do have Stranger Things. At number eight, Stranger Things, as much as like the memes of it, the 
just the cringy fans, the TikToks, the, the Instagram. It's the, 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 the internet's ruined Stranger Things for a bit, but the show itself, I just cannot look past. It is just too amazing. A great cast of kids. The, the, the callbacks, just through four seasons, they've crafted this universe, this world, and it is so great, so great. I love, I love Stranger Things. Every time I watch it, it comes out, I always just immediately have to binge watch it. It's that good. Last, last season, when did that come out? 2021? Me and my cousin, it just worked out perfectly. We stayed up and watched the final two episodes, and we were up to like four in the morning. And literally after the second to last episode, we had to take an intermission because we were like, okay, this finale is going to be huge. It was huge. A crazy cliffhanger. Stranger Things is amazing. Actually, when's season five coming out? I'm in here in 2024. It's been open to come out. This whole writer strike definitely kind of um, kind of killed killed the vibe of sorts. It's definitely a setback. A lot of things. It's definitely set back. The um, what am I trying to think of? I'm trying to think of the, it's set back to Marvel. It's set back the MCU a lot. Changed a lot of things. But I'm hoping for season five of Stranger Things too on Netflix. I freaking love this show. At number seven, this one. This is a hidden gem. A hidden gem I discovered a while ago now that I think about it. But it's Entourage. Entourage. It's on HBO or Max now. And basically follows this movie star, Vincent Chase. And his four buddies, you know, one of them's name is Turtle. I mean, his cousin, Johnny Drava. Uh, Eric Murphy, his buddy. Jeremy Peven as Ari Gold, one of the, my favorite characters of all time. I mean, this show is just, this show has it all. It's got comedy. It's got wittiness it has got this there's it's it's not even like a drama or it is a drama i don't even know how to describe it it's such a well-written show it feels real all right that's one of the weird things about it, is it feels re real because you're almost like kind of like wait this isn't like a real person they're not on a real movie set they do an excellent job with that entourage amazing i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that at number six on this list this is this is just a personal this is just a personal favorite of mine. It's popular on Netflix. You, that's right, you, the show, Joe Goldberg, Penn, Penn Baglin just plays an amazing Joe Goldberg. It is just so dark. It is so, it is just, it, it's a terrible premise. This is about basically about a serial killer, the psychopath, but you root for him. You root for the antagonist. It is, I love when shows do that. And man, I just, it, every episode leaves me wanting more. And the plot twists are just absolutely crazy. And there's also, they're all coming out with a final fifth season, just like Stranger Things coming in 2024. See, uh, season four left off on a huge cliffhanger. It's one of those shows I would definitely go back, go back and watch. It's, it's just so riveting. It keeps me, keeps me entertained without a doubt. And it's, it's so dark. It's so dark, but it's like a good dark. It's like, you can't help but watch. You just gotta watch it. You, I love you, Joe Goldberg, one of the biggest, um, what's the word? He's like Patrick Bateman, honestly. He's like Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale's character in American Psychopath. And number five, I just another show that just holds a dear spot in my heart. And even if the last few seasons, last, last two seasons haven't been what they should be, Cobra Kai at five on Netflix, which the first two seasons, I'll even throw the third season in there, just so good. The impact this had on me, it changed my mindset for a time. Just, 
I don't know what it was, but Cobra Kai just being hard, being a badass, it just, it invoked something in me. And Cobra Kai, it's so good. And these last few seasons, they've been goofy. The final season coming up, the final one. I mean, all my favorite shows clearly come to an end, which kind of sucks. It is what it is. But I mean, I just I just love Johnny, all right? And who, who doesn't love? Who does not love? Um, what's his name? Who's, uh, who's, um... No, it's not Johnny. It's, um, gosh, I'm going to kick myself. I forget his name all the time. It's Johnny's rival. It's Johnny. Daniel LaRusso. There it is. Johnny and Daniel LaRusso. Um, Cobra Kai season six. Is that coming out? Actually, now that I'm, now that I'm looking at that, I'm actually kind of curious. Oh, they said the Cobra Kai series finale will leave room for spin-offs. Uh, it was I in a premiere in December, but uh, oh, they're not even filming till 2024. But yes, Cobra Kai basically follows these um, Karate Kid ba- back from the 80s. Karate Kid. It's a continuation of that. This was actually made on YouTube TV back in like 2018 or 2017 or something. And Netflix eventually got a hold of it, made a second season. It's been perfect since. Follows these guys battling out in karate, but they're grown up now. The jokes are great. The callbacks are great. The characters, very well written. I love it. I love the romances. I love the heartbreak. I love Cobra Kai. And honestly, I'll always be a Cobra Kai fan. Getting into our top four at number four. It just, I almost never want to put it on my list. And it just, it just finds its way up there. It's one of those shows where like, I always see clips. I see an episode. I'm like, I've never seen this one before. At number four, we have The Office. One of the funniest shows ever written. The jokes are amazing. Michael Scott, one of the funniest characters. Dwight Schrute, one of the funniest characters. Jim Alpert, an amazing character. And just the cast, the cast of The Office is just amazing. And they always talk about making one more, one more season, maybe even doing a reboot. Nothing will top it. Just, just perfection. It, it gets a nine out of ten on IMDb and eighty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, I just, I just love it. There's just, there's just no words to say. I mean, Jenna Fisher, a great, a great Pam, a great Pam, and one of my one of the most underrated characters of the show, just because of how she cares for Michael. All right, and. Steve Carell, one of my favorite actors, so the, the Office, without a doubt. It makes me want to go back and watch it. Honestly, I might have to buy Peacock and watch this show just because of how freaking good it is. Let's get into our top two, and nine number two is actually my previous one for a long time, but uh, at number two, we have Game of Thrones on Max. On a- oh, no, no. My bad. We skipped three. Oh, my gosh. I read my list wrong. At number three, we have a newer show, a super hero show we got the boys on amazon prime let me just tell you this show just went from an average show to me to being one of my favorites i just cannot believe it homelander one of my favorite tv characters of all time without a doubt just basically what superheroes would be if they were bad that's all i can describe it as just if they acted like people normal people with superheroes and they're dark it's gross this show pushes the boundaries with the scenes it makes all right i've seen so many Parts of people's bodies, things go places, things explode, just ugh, animal things. I mean, just it's it's a grotesque show, but it's so good. It's setting up for fourth season, which I believe is the last. The fourth season may be the last. I hope not, but it's coming up soon. Uh, Billy Butcher, Soldier Boy, such good characters as well. Huey, love Huey, Starlight. It's just it is just so amazing. I encourage everyone to watch The Boys first three seasons. I might have to go back and rewatch the first three seasons. It is just so damn good. I love The Boys at three. And at number two, as I was just going to mention, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, 
The moment where, spoiler alert, Ned Stark gets his head chopped off in the first season, I'd never been more shocked in a show. I'd never been more shocked because I was like, that's the main character. There's more seasons after this. What? That's the main character of the show. No one's done that before. And by the way, I've read the books. Yes, it's true. The books are better than the TV show. The books are so good. Now, there are elements from both that are better for worse. I will say once the show starts leaning away from the books, it does kind of get bad. Season 8, obviously, is one of the worst seasons of television I've ever watched. Season 7 is just rushed, still good, but 1 through 6, just amazing. Just so amazing. I freaking love 1 through 6. You also, the books, I just, I, I read all about the world, the history. George R. R. Martin has crafted a masterpiece with the Game of Thrones world. I'm waiting on Winds of Winter. I'm waiting on that. And also House of the Dragon, the prequel show. Really needing uh, that to come out soon, George. But yes, love Game of Thrones. It's amazing. And the books just, the books are one of the few books where I've actually like finished a chapter and been like, okay, I need to go to bed. I need to go do something. I, I just need to see what happens. And you know what? I skimmed through it. I burned through it. And I can't wait to see how he wraps it all up. Hopefully, hopefully he's around to finish off the story. Because if not, that would be sad. And at number one, it just, I recently finished it. I, I started it this year and I finished it after not watching all summer. This show, the impact it's had on me as of late, has been, has been unsurmountable. It just the, one of the greatest written shows that's been claimed of all time. An awkward ending, but literally the final scene of the show is the only weird part of the whole thing. The Sopranos, five seasons of 13 episodes, ep season six, the final season, 21 episodes, just amazing. I could go back and rewatch it any moment. It's about the mob, Tony Soprano, my favorite character. He's up there. I like Optimus Prime. I like Caesar. I like Homelander. I like Poe the Panda. I like Hiccup from... What's it? Uh, what, what am I thinking of? How's it called? How to Train Your Dragon? Um, Big John Snow guy, Big Michael Scott guy, but man, Tony Soprano, my freaking idol, man, love that man. You got, you got. I mean, you got Christopher. You got, oh my gosh, so many characters. Paulie, I just, I just love the whole cast of the show. Just such a well-written show. There's just some moments. It's like Game of Thrones. Just at any moment, a character could die. And that does happen. They do set it up well. It's it's crazy. It's a wild show. It's a realistic show. I will say that. There's not a lot of unrealistic things in here. It's the mob life. And the mob life is dangerous. But Sopranos, I love you. I do think I do see they made a like a prequel movie about Tony Soprano. I might check that out at some point. But it's a shame they had to end with the Sopranos, especially how they ended it. You kinda just you don't know if Tony dies or not. It just, the show literally just ends. It feels just that a random scene. It's like they just were cutting through footage and go, okay, we're going to end it there, which is kind of awkward, but I'm going to look past it. It's just the masterpiece it is. The Sopranos, you just have a big place in my heart from now on. And you're my favorite TV show of all time now. So I'd honestly say it's Sopranos and Game of Thrones. It's up there. And if I watch Breaking Bad, oh my gosh, imagine Breaking Bad could crack the top three and uh, try to throw a divot into how I view things. But as for now, you know, we got some uh, we got some Mard Family Community. You got some Office. You got some shows like that. You got your Netflix shows, Cobra Kai. You got Entourage, which is kind of like um, The Sopranos of sorts. Stranger Things is good. Cobra Kai, The Boys, a little uh, little action there. Game of Thrones. I mean, so many good so many good TV series out there. TV shows out there. Sopranos lands at number one for me. I had fun. I had fun going through all my old um, all the old shows I've watched. All the 
all the old memories I've had. It's always fun making top 10 lists, looking back on all the stuff that uh, I've, I've watched, which is a lot. I've watched a lot of stuff. I won't lie. I don't know if I'm proud that I've watched as much stuff as I have, but hey, you know what? All in, all in a day's work. All in a day's work. Whatever impresses the ladies or just my girlfriend. Okay, let's uh, let's take a little break here. I'm going to take a quick break. You guys take no break. I find that hilarious. And when we get back, we're going to give my predictions, break down all the fights for UFC Fight Night. Allen versus Craig, UFC Vegas, 82 going down this Saturday. One of my favorite parts of every episode. I took notes this time for every single fighter. So I'm excited to go through and predict all of the fights. Yes, sir. Let's do it. And with that, we are now going to begin our final part of the episode. It's been a fun one, been a good one, a long one. As always, I, I find it hilarious that with my first few, I struggled to even get to an hour. And now, like, an hour's just, like, routine. And it's it's kind of crazy. It's, it's, it's honestly pretty good getting over an hour, I feel, for podcasts. I don't know how people feel about it, but I always like going over an hour. It just gives you more time to listen to stuff, but I could try and keep it under an hour at times. We'll see. I always, I always am able to fill it up, especially during the NFL season. Maybe once the NFL's done, I'll need to find some stuff to fill. But uh, whenever we get to the UFC talk of the episode, it's usually towards the end. But yes, we have an absolutely loaded, loaded card this weekend going down to the UFC Apex. Let's not uh, waste any time. As we'll kick it off with our... Let me find actually a highlighter so I can mark down my predictions. But yes, we kick off the night with a flyweight matchup on the prelims. Charles Inerg Johnson, I-N-N-E-R-G, Inerg Johnson, takes on Rafael Macapa Estivam. Wow, quite the names from these two. Charles is 13-5. and Rafael, a perfect 11-0. and 5-9 to 5-8 in favor of Charles Johnson. 70-inch reach to 69-inch reach in favor of Charles Johnson. Charles fights in a switch stance. Rafael Estevam Estevam fights in orthodox stance. Charles Johnson from Missouri. He's 32 years of age of his 13 victories. Five by knockout, four by sub. Pretty good. Um, he actually fought um, Brandon Royval in uh, LFA back in 2018. Brandon Royval, this was before either man was in the UFC, is actually fighting for the flyweight championship this December against Alexander Pinto at UFC 296. Charles has had five appearances in the UFC. Um, his debut lost to Mohamed Mokayev, and Mohamed Mokayev is an absolute killer, currently ranked number 10 in the flyweight division. Um, picked up wins over Zaliga Zumalagov, got a round one TKO of Jimmy Flick, but uh, in February of this year, lost to Oday Osborne by decision, and in April, lost to Cody Durden by decision. Got out-grappled just brutally. I mean, clearly grappling is a huge hole in his game. And as he takes on Rafael Estevam, who is, of course, undefeated, from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, the kid's only 27 years old. Of his 11 victories, 4 by knockout, 3 by submission, and actually trains at Nova Unero Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, someone who trains there is Henan Barrao, former bantamweight champion, UFC legend, Hennon Barrow and Rafael's coming from season six of the Contender Series. Last fought in the UFC in September of 2022. Got a round two TKO of Joel Elias. I like what I see. This kid's 11-0. Charles is tough, but I got to ride with Rafael Estevam. I mean, they, they do not want Rafael to lose, especially being an 11-0 upcoming prospect. And Charles Johnson is someone they can feed to him. With, with ease. So we'll be riding with Rafael Estevam in the opening bout of the evening at UFC Vegas 82. But you know what? Should be, should be a good one. 
Next up, we have a lightweight matchup. And by the way, this card is shuffled around so much in just the bout order, might I add. But um, next up, lightweight matchup between Trey Samurai Ghost to Ogden and Nicholas Iron Mota. Trey is 16 and 6. Nicholas 13 and 5. 5'11 to 5'9 in favor of Trey. And a 72 inch reach to 70 inch reach also in favor of Trey. Both fighters fight orthodox Trey Ogden. 34 years old from Kansas City, Missouri. He's had three fights in the UFC, but a notable of his 16 professional victories, 11 by submission. Absolutely insane to me. Trey has gone one and two in the UFC, lost his debut in April of 2022 to Jordan Leavitt. Split decision, beat Daniel Zalubert in September of 2022, and in his lone fight this year in April, he lost to Ignacio Bahomides by unanimous decision. Just got outstruck 99-42 in that one. His opponent, though, Nicholas Mota, 30 years of age, 30 years old from, uh, he was actually born in Brazil, but uh, now he's moved to uh, Las Vegas, that's his home now, of his 13 professional victories, nine by knockout. He trains at Extreme Couture, um, if no one knows who else trains at Extreme Couture, uh, Sean Strickland, Chris Curtis, Cody Stammen, Brad Tavares, a lot of notable fighters, your current middleweight champion, Sean Strickland. Nicholas Mota, is that an interesting UFC career? To say the least, I wouldn't. I wasn't. I wouldn't necessarily flex about it, but I mean, he won on season four of Dana White's Contender Series in 2020, made his UFC debut in 2022, and got knocked out cold by Jim Miller, the legendary Jim Miller. He would follow that up with a September 2022 knockout punch of Cameron Van Camp, got a huge win there. But in his lone fight of this year, he got knocked out by Manuel Torres with a nasty elbow in a minute and 50 seconds in round number one. This should be a very interesting one. If you ask me, Nicholas Moda hasn't gone to the ground yet in the UFC. And here's a guy in Trey Ogden who's going to want to get it to the ground. Um, I'm going to favor Trey Ogden this one. And I honestly think Trey Ogden could get his first submission victory in the UFC. I've been waiting for that, Trey, if you ask me. But uh, look, look, Nicholas Moda, no offense. He is just not up to par. I just the Jim Miller, the Manuel Torres knockouts, they 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 hold a place in my heart just because of how brutal they are. Heading on down to women's bantamweight for our next matchup. We actually have uh no, not ranked fighter, but both of these women could be ranked soon. Um women's bantamweight matchup between Lucy Pudalova and Aline Fiona Perez. Fiona, interesting nickname. Lucy Pudalova, 14 and 8. Aline Perez, 8 and 2. 5'8 to 5'5 five, five in favor of Lucy Pudalova. And a 67-inch reach to 66, also in favor of Lucy. Um, an orthodox stance for Pudalova and a switch stance for Aline Perez. Ooh, Aline Perez, I remember her. I remember Aline Perez from her last victory. Um, now, Aline Perez, 29 years of age. She was born in Argentina, actually, but now uh, resides in Miami. She trains at the Goat Shed. No, one who else trains there? Hector Lombard, MMA, MMA legend, if you will, notable MMA figure. And Jillian Robertson, current woman, is a uh, strawweight or flyweight, wherever Jillian fights. Aline has four KOs and one sub of her eight career victories. She's coming off a dominant win in her UFC, uh, her second UFC stint. She originally fought in September of 2022, but got submitted by Stephanie Edgar, um, sadly, in round number two. But uh, in her uh, last fight out in July, dominated Ashley Evans-Smith, landed 10 of 15 takedowns for 11 minutes and 36 seconds of control time. She was absolutely dominant in that. Had a lot of chances to finish, but Allen Perez was such a character. 
Her opponent, Lucy Pudilova, 29 years old, was actually born in the Czech Republic, but now trains in Dublin, Ireland. That's where she lives as well. Three KOs and two subs of her 14 career victories. Been in the UFC since 2017. It's not been a good stint. Let me just say that. She has gone three and six in that time, including at one point was on a four-fight losing streak. Now, I will say, you know, her losses have been to Lena Landsberg, who was a ranked women's bantamweight, wins over Gion Kim and Sarah Morris, lost lost a fight of the night split decision to Irene Aldana in 2018, who last fought for the bantamweight championship, uh, lost a unanimous decision to Liz Carmouche, got submitted in a fight of the night by Antonia Shevchenko uh, in 2020, lost to Justine Kish. Uh, in August 2022, did pick up a round two TKO of Unyanan, but last time out in April of this year, she lost a split decision to Jocelyn Edwards. So Lucy, she's been in some tough fights, but I remember Aline Perez from her last fight out, and I'm going to go with Aline Perez by decision. We'll see. We'll see what happens, though, because quite honestly, I have no faith that this is going to be a you banger, if you will, but um, they could surprise me. Heading into our next matchup on the prelims, a featherweight bout between Jekka Saragi and Lucas the Lion Alexander. Jekka is 13-3, and three, Lucas 8-3. and 5'11 to 5'8 in favor of Lucas Alexander and a 4-inch reach for Lucas Alexander, 73 inches to 69. Both fighters fight orthodox. Both fighters are 28 years old. Lucas Alexander from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, of his eight victories, three by knockouts. Um, trains at Fusion XL actually with Jacare Souza and um, notable UFC uh, welterweight, un- unranked welterweight Phil Rowe. Lucas um, lost his UFC debut to Joe Henderson Brito in 2022, but I mean Joe Henderson Brito is an absolute killer. Did follow that up with a March win in this year over Steven Peterson. He actually retired. Steven Peterson, Lucas, decent fighter, but let me just tell you about Jekka Sada guy. I mean. I was seeing this guy's highlights. I mean, he was on road to the UFC. He actually won road to the UFC, his fight, I believe. Or maybe he made it to the finals and lost. I can't even remember. 28 years old, as I mentioned, from Indonesia. Of his 13 victories, eight by knockout, four by sub, has only been the distance once in his career. All right, in both of his road to UFC matchups in 2022, had two knockouts, a round three spinning back fist and a round one knockout punch. Now, he did lose earlier this year in February. Round two TKO loss to Anshul Jubilee, but I don't think that's going to stop Jekka. Okay, we just saw Anshul Jubilee get brutally finished in a fight he shouldn't have against Mike Breeden, but I don't think that's going to stop Jekka here. I think Jekka gets a knockout over Lucas Alexander. We're riding with Jekka Saragai. I, I like that name. Jekka? You know, how does Jekka Ruger sound for my future son? It doesn't have the same ring to it. Finally, we get some big boy action next as a heavyweight bout between Mick Parkin and Kyle Bigfoot Machado. This should be fun. Mick Parkin, perfect 7-0. Kyle Machado, 8-1-1. Only one loss and a draw. Both fighters are 6'4". Wow. 79-inch reach to 78-inch reach. Pretty close. Mick Parkin in his favor there. Orthodox stance for Mick Parkin. Southpaw for Kyle. So Kyle's throwing that left punch. Okay. Um, uh, Kyle Machado, 29 years old, was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, but now resides out of Vancouver, Canada. Four KOs and two subs of his eight victories. He actually beat Kevin Safrarski on this past season of Dana White's Contender Series, episode one. Outstruck him significantly 121 to 17. Total strikes 156 to 18, including an unsurmountable 47 to 1 significant strike. In round one, wow, Kyle Machado was a striking 
genius. My goodness. His opponent, though, Mick Parkin, a perfect 7-0, 28 years old from England, five KOs and one sub of his seven career victories. So six out of seven fights, finishes. Impressive. Um, he won on uh, season six of Dan West Contender Series, got a round one rear naked chokehold over Eduardo Neves in under two minutes, and did have an interesting debut against Jamal Pogues earlier this year in July, won in his home nation of England, but it was a tough one. Jamal did not make it easy for him, but Mick was able to outstrike him, get it done, and as dominant as it would appear Kyle Machado is, I do lean toward Mick Parkin, but there's just something about Kyle Machado, boys. There's just something about his name. Kyle Machado, I'm liking what I'm hearing. I'm going to go with Kyle Machado. I actually think last time I didn't pick Mick Parkin, and he won. But man, there's just something about Kyle Machado that says pick me. Even though I want to go with Mick, I got to go with Machado, all right? The different M. But uh, you know what? If if he comes back and loses, uh, we can all come back and look here and go, hey, you should have went with him, Zach. And I'll go, okay, my bad. Keeping us rolling into the middleweight division, we have a 185-pound matchup between Christian CLD Leroy Duncan, or maybe it's, where do, you, where do we think the CLD is? His name's Christian Leroy Duncan. Christian CLD Leroy Duncan, or Christian, or Leroy Duncan CLD, I don't know. He takes on Dennis Tallulan. He was supposed to fight John, oh no, this, what? I feel like Dennis Tallulan stepped in on short notice. Christian Leroy Duncan was supposed to fight someone. If I'm not mistaken, we're gonna do some live, live Google searching on the um, on the podcast because I know for a fact Dennis Tallulan stepped in on short notice, and I'm trying to remember why. Who is who is Christian Leroy Duncan supposed to fight? Oh, he was supposed to fight Caesar Almada. Oh, that would have been such a good fight. Unfortunately, Dennis pulled out. Mm, tough luck. But, uh, no, no, not Dennis. What's his face? Kyle pulled out. Dennis Tallulan stepped in on short notice. So a big thank you to Dennis Tallulan for keeping Christian Leroy Duncan on the card. Christian, of course, 8-1, and one, a very impressive professional record. Dennis Tallulan, 10-8 and eight with a no contest. Ooh. 62, oh no, six foot two to six foot one in favor of Christian Leroy Duncan. 79 inch reach for Christian Leroy. Actually, I'm just going to call him CLD and we'll call Dennis Tallulan. So, 79 inch reach for CLD, 77 inch reach for Tallulan. Switch stands for CLD and as for Dennis, an orthodox stance. Dennis Tallulan, where do we begin with this guy? No idea how he's in the UFC. He's kind of bad. Um, 35 years of age, he's from Russia. Of his 10 victories, though, 9 by knockout, so not too bad. He did lose his UFC debut in 2022 to Alish Kebab Karizov, who we actually mentioned on the beginning of the episode, but Alish Kebab is an absolute killer, so we'll let that slide. In September of 2022, he got a beautiful round 2 knockout of Jamie Pickett, but then in this year, I mean, it's been no easy goings. Had to fight Jun Young Park, who submitted him in round one, and had to fight Gregory Rodriguez last time out in August, who beat him in a minute and 43 seconds. It was absolutely brutal. He literally just went to the middle of the octagon, picked Dennis up, slammed him down, and TKO'd him. So, Dennis, I won't lie, a 10 and 8 record's not impressive. But you know, you this is a winnable fight for Dennis, okay? Christian Leroy Duncan, 28 years of age from Gloucester, England, six KOs and one submission. So, seven out of eight um, of his wins by finish. Did, um, this will be his third fight of the year, and he fought Dusko Todrovic in March of 2023, so earlier this year, and just under two minutes in, Dusko got injured, fight was stopped short, an unfortunate victory for Christian Leroy Duncan in his debut. 
then was able to get a full training camp and uh, have a fight in June against Armin Petrosian. But Armin was able to use his skills, outkick, boxed him, mixed in a takedown. Armin Petrosian won a unanimous decision over Christian Leroy Duncan, and Christian only won one round on two of the three judges' scorecards. So this is a toss-up for me because taking the fight on short notice, knowing that Dennis gets finished, I'm not really a big fan. But at the same time, this could feel like a big opportunity for Dennis. This could be make it or break it. We'll see what happens, but I'm going to go with Christian Leroy Duncan. CLD, you know, he's the young gun. Dennis has gotten knocked out, has gotten finished three of his four UFC fights. The signs point, the signs point towards um, what's his face, but uh, yeah, I just, I, no, no, we're going Christian Leroy Duncan. We're not even going to, I'm not even going to second guess myself. I, I know, I know who I'm riding with. All right, what else do we got here? Ooh, we got two more prelim fights. This card has shifted around so much. Yes, two more prelim fights. All right, bantamweight matchup between Chad the Monster at Hellinger and Jose Lobo Solitario Johnson. Gosh, I love these foreign nicknames. Chad Allen Hellinger, 12 and 6. Jose, 15 and 8. Six feet for Jose Johnson, only 5'6 for Chad. So we have an insane. What is this, six-inch reach advantage? Yeah, no, six-inch height advantage for Jose Johnson. Wow. Actually, seven-inch reach advantage for Jose Johnson, 71 to 64. Both fighters fight orthodox. Wow. That is crazy. Lobo Solitario, Jose Johnson, um, fought on the Contender Series twice, actually. I mean, this kid's 28 years old from Flint, Michigan. Of his 15 victories, eight by knockout, two by sub Jose, um, where do I begin? So, fights Ronnie Lawrence on Danoy's Contender Series in 2020. Loses, gets brutally outgrappled. All right, takes two years off. Comes back, gets some wins. Beats Jack Cartwright on Season 6 in Danoy's Contender Series. You know, not the most impressive. I don't even know if he got a contract. But uh, comes back August of this year. Fights Damon Blackshear and gets twistered in Round 1. That's so embarrassing, Jose. I don't even know where to begin I don't even know where to begin with that, Jose. That's pretty embarrassing. But um, I still like the height and reach advantage. I like the size advantage for Jose. His opponent, Chad and Hellinger. Um, also coming from uh, Daniel's Contender Series, he won on Season 5 over Muin Gafurov. Chad is 36 years of old, of old of age. Chains out of, uh, lives out of Alberta, Canada as well. Seven KOs and three subs. He actually chains at Champions Creed MMA with uh, Hakeem Dawido, another uh, Canadian UFC fighter. Chad was able to pick up a big win over uh, Jesse Strader in his UFC debut in February of 2022. Got a round three knockout punch, but unfortunately lost to Alatenge in September of 2022. Hasn't fought since then. Chad's back. Jose's back. This is a toss-up, guys. It's a real toss-up because I like what I've seen from Chad. I really like what I've seen. Big wins, um, finishes a lot of guys. But Jose's size is just so appetizing, just so appetizing. Just how, how the, the height is crazy, the reach is crazy. But um, I don't know, does Chad mix in takedowns at all? Not really. He likes to keep it on the feet. As for Jose, you know, Jose will take it to the ground. He necessarily hasn't done well there. So this could come down to a striking battle. I don't know how the chin of Jose is, but um, you know what? We're going to go with Jose Johnson. You know what? I'm sorry, Chad, but uh, oh, I don't know, actually. I'm so torn, guys. I actually, I, this is funny. You hear my internal dialogue expressed through this podcast about who I want to win, who I think will win. And part of me thinks Chad can land a knockout punch, 
But another part of me thinks Jose Johnson could just keep this at distance and win a decision. You know what? We're going to ride with Chad and Hillinger. You know what? That's the final person I'm picking. And I feel like if I don't pick him and I it's it's and Jose wins, or I feel like if I, if I pick Jose and Chad wins, I'll be more upset than if I were to pick Chad and he loses. If, if, if you get what I'm saying. Okay. Let's get into our final prelim of the night. This fight should also be like the co-main. This is this is a very high matchup. I have no idea what's on the uh, prelims, but our final prelim is between Jonathan JSP Pierce and Joe Anderson Tubabarro Brito in the featherweight division. Jonathan Pierce fourteen and four. Joe Anderson Brito fifteen three and one. All right, six foot to five eight in favor of Jonathan Pierce, so four inch height advantage, but a seventy two to seventy one inch reach advantage for Joe Anderson Brito. Orthodox stance for Joe Anderson. Jonathan more of a switch stance type of guy. Jonathan thirty one years of age. He's from Tennessee. Nine KOs and two subs of his 14 career victories. He actually trains at Fight Ready MMA with the Korean Zombie, Henry Saudo, Eric Anders. A lot of notable fires from there. Jonathan been in the UFC since 2019. He actually won on Season 3 of Damage Contender Series. Got a Round 3 knockout punch, but then lost his UFC debut to Joe Lazone in 2019. Got TKO'd in Round number 1. Since then, yet to lose. A perfect 5-0 since his loss. Um, finishes of Kai Kamaka, Omar Morales, uh, Makwani Marikani. Last beat Darren Elkins in December of 2022. That was a close matchup, though. But um, Jonathan looked dominant in it, as always. I mean, Jonathan Pierce, been on the rise. I've liked what I've seen from him. He's actually had canceled fights against Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell is currently the number 10 featherweight in the world. So clearly, people think highly of him. But his opponent, Joe Anderson Brito, is an absolute freaking killer. My goodness. 28 years of age from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Of his 15 career victories, 6 by knockout, 7 by sub. He does not like to go the distance. I actually beat Diego Lopez on Dana West Contender Series uh, Season 5 in 2021. Diego Lopez, of course, coming off a huge win this past weekend. He then lost his UFC debut to Bill Algeo by unanimous decision, which he took on short notice, by the way. But I won't lie, he was on an 11-fight win streak before Bill Algeo snapped that, so that's pretty brutal. Since then, though, April of 2022 gets a 41-second knockout of Andre Feely. After that, submits Lucas Alexander in two minutes. Lucas Alexander also fighting on this card. Oh, I didn't pick him. Okay, awkward. But, um, yeah, and then he uh, had a big win over Weston Wilson, July 1st, 2023. So last fought in July, under three-minute knockout there. Janderson Brito's been on a roll. I know how good Jonathan Pierce is, though. So this is... This is torn. By the way, Jonathan Pierce, a grappler, an outright grappler. Um, should be interesting. Height for Jonathan, but the reach, reach don't doesn't even play a factor. I'm they've had a full training camp. All factors there. I'm gonna go with Joe Henderson Brito, but simply because of striking. I think Jonathan might even take him down and control him in round number one. But I think once Joe Anderson starts touching him, or if he even reverses anything in the top position, Joe Anderson Brito's hands will win him this fight. Other than that, it's a toss-up. Anything could go down, but we're going to ride with Joe Anderson Brito. I was contemplating this one all week. I'm glad it's not on the main card, because if we all know, main card picks are the only official ones. Prelim picks are simply just because I'm a fan of the sport. Let's get our main card kicked off at six fights on the main card in the welterweight division between Uros, the Dr. Medich, and guys, I just cannot wait till the broadcast team says this, 
Mike at Takabike Beck Orolabi. M-Y-K-T-Y-B-E-K. So, Mike Tybeck. Mike Tybeck. Orolbai. O-R-O-L-B-A-I. Orolbai. Okay. You know, at least we can pronounce Uros Medic's name. Euros Medic was supposed to fight Johnny Parsons. That was supposed to be a banger of the fight. Johnny had to pull out. So instead, Oral Bai steps in on short notice. We thank you, Oral Bai. Euros, 9-1. Maitetek, 11-1 with and one. So, wow, very impressive record himself. Um, six foot one for Euros. They don't even have Maitek's stats on any site I found. 71-inch reach for Euros Medic. Uh, Southpaw stands for Euros. We don't know what to expect from Maitetek. Um... My tech, though, is from Kyrgyzstan, all right? Six KOs and four subs of his 11 victories. He's actually riding a six-fight win streak. Um, I have no idea what to expect from this guy, but uh, from what I've seen, he looks entertaining. He's got a great name, but uh, he's, fighting, he's fighting a killer in Euros Medic. There's a reason Euros Medic was supposed to fight Johnny Parsons. Euros was born in Serbia, now lives in Anchorage, Alaska. Of his nine victories... Seven by knockout, two by sub, a 100% finish rate. He's 30 years of age. Jaros Medic, one on season four of Daniel's Contender Series, got a round one knockout. Then in March of 2021, won his UFC debut with a round one TKO. Uh, he suffered his only career loss to Jalen Turner in 2021, got submitted, but Jalen Turner was a killer back then. Since then, May of 2022, round two knockout of Omar Morales, and an insane Comeback, spinning back elbow KO of Matthew Semmelsberger in July of this year at UFC 291. I've liked everything I've seen from Euros Medic. I'm sorry, my detect. I really hope you do well. But simply because I don't know what to expect, I got to go with Euros Medic. I know how good Euros is. Uh, Jim and Jai Parsons were going to put on a banger. Sadly, Johnny had to pull out of the fight. But man, I'll be excited for that fight, especially to kick off the vague card. Um, I just cannot wait till I see Micah Tykek, whatever, walk out. I'm sorry I've butchered your name so much. I, I genuinely, I genuinely feel bad that I've been butchering your name. Oral by, okay. But uh, you know what? I love you, all right? That's how, that has to be some, that has to be some consolation, whatever. Um, let's get to some ranked fighters, finally. Women's strawweight bout between some ranked women's strawweights. Number nine, Luiana Pinero, and number 10, Amanda Hibas. Actually, Amanda Hibas is also ranked number nine. A woman's uh, flyweight, so she's ranked in two women's divisions. Luiana Panero, eleven and one. Amanda Hebus, eleven and four. Five foot three to five foot two. We got some short women here favoring Amanda Hebus and a four inch reach advantage for Amanda Hebus, sixty six to sixty two. Both women are orthodox stance fighters. Let's talk about Amanda Hebus first. Amanda, thirty years old from Brazil. Of her eleven victories, two by knockout, four by sub. It's been an interesting UFC career for Amanda Hebus, to say the least. Debuted in 2019, big rear naked chokehold. She actually then beat Mackenzie Dern in 2019, Random Marcos 2020. Submitted Paige Van Sant on the opening fight of UFC 251 in round number one, which I think is crazy. By the way, Paige Van Sant's in UFC 5, EA Sports UFC 5. I don't know how. Why is she in the game? She then suffered her first UFC defeat when she got knocked out in round two by Marina Rodriguez. Big win over Verna Jandrober next time out. Lost the fight of the night in 2022 to Caitlin Chukagian. And earlier this year in March, beat Viviana Rujo. But then in June of this year, got brutally TKO'd by Macy Barber in round number two. You know, Amanda Hebus, her goal is just to grapple, get you to the ground. And that's her game plan. But she's going to have to work around that against Luiana Pinero. Luiana, 
As we mentioned, 11-1, the number nine ranked straw weight, 29 years old, also from Brazil, two KOs and five subs of her 11 victories. She rides a nine-fight win streak. Coming from season four in Daywitz Contender Series, where she got a round one knockout in under three minutes, she then lost her UFC debut by DQ, because Random Marcos is an absolute cheater. All right. Um, then in November of 2021, beat Sam Hughes, and she picked up the biggest win of her career when she beat Michelle Warson Gomez earlier this year in April by split decision. Honestly, women's fights are toss-ups. Luiana, she's got the win streak. She's been looking good. Amanda Hebus, I don't know. You looked bad last time out. We're going to go with Luiana Pinero. But if Amanda Hebus wins, I just find it hilarious how women go win-loss, win-loss seemingly every single fight. But, um, yeah, it should be a fun one. Next up, we got a bantamweight matchup between two guys who have no idea who they are. No idea who these fighters are. Between Peyton Talbot and Nick Salik Aguirre. I do like the nickname, Nick. Peyton is undefeated, 6-0. Nick is 7-1, 5-10, in favor of Peyton. And a 74-70-inch reach in favor of Nick Aguirre. So we got four inches. Southpaw stance for Nick Aguirre. Switch stance for Peyton Talbot. Let's talk about Nick first. All right, Nick, 27 years old, from Oswego, Illinois. It's actually where my uh, some of my cousins win, um, live, or maybe they uh, go to school there, went to high school there. I found that pretty fascinating. Of his seven victories, three by knockout, four by sub, 100% finish rate. Suffered his first ever um, defeat professionally against Dan Argueta back in the first event of 2022, January 14th. I mean, 2023, not 2022. Lost to Dan Argueta, but um, since then, you know, just been kind of passing the time. Finally got a fight booked against Peyton Talbot. Peyton's 25 years old from Nevada. He's got five KOs of his six victories. His only decision win, and the only time he's gone the distance, was against Reyes Cortez Jr. on this past season of Dana White's Contender Series. Racked up an impressive 145 significant strikes. I like what I've seen from uh, Peyton in that fight, but um, now that it's kind of coming back to me who he is, but this is a toss-up, man. This is a toss-up, and I hate that I have to pick this fight, especially because this fight matters. But, I mean, Nick, 100% finish rate. Lost earlier this year. Peyton just picked up a big win. You know what? We're going to give it to Peyton Talbot. Yeah, I don't know what to expect from these guys, but Peyton Talbot, you're my pick. Do not let me down, or I will sue you. I'll be very upset. I'll be angry. I'll be mad or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll just I'll just write a bad review about you on Yelp or something. Wherever, wherever you do business, Peyton. I'll do that. No, I'm just kidding, Peyton. I love you. We'll be rooting for you against Nick Aguirre. Aguirre. Interesting last name. Our final three fights of the evening kick off with a lightweight matchup between Chase Hooper, one of the youngest fighters on the on the active roster, actually youngest of the night, I think it is. He takes on, oh, Chase the Dream Hooper, I should say. He takes on Jordan, my favorite nickname, the Monkey King. Leave it. Jordan, leave it. You are such a character. I love you. Chase is 12, 3, and 1. Jordan is 11 and 2. 6 foot 1 to 5 foot 9. Favorite of Chase Hooper. So what is that? As 3, 4, 4 foot? Reach, four foot high advantage, 74 to 71, three inch reach advantage for Chase Hooper. Southpaw stance for both men. Jordan Leavitt. Jordan Leavitt, 28 years old from Las Vegas, Nevada. Two KOs and six subs of his 11 victories. Coming off a big win over Victor Martinez. Back in February, got a round one a TKO, earned a performance bonus. Before that, lost to Patty Pimblett. That's right, he was the one who got submitted by Patty Pimblett in July of 2022. Notable fight. 
Big win over Trey Ogden, who actually fights on the prelims. He's actually gotten an inverted triangle over Matt Sales. Impressive. Only other losses to Claudio Puelles, a good unranked lightweight, and has a 22-second slam finish of Matt Wyman. That's incredible. Jordan Leavitt has had a unique, a unique UFC career. His opponent, Chase Hooper, fought on Dana White's Contender Series when he was only 19 years old. Absolutely crazy. Picked up unanimous decision win there, was able to get a contract, and his UFC debut beat beat Daniel Tamer in December of 2019 in round one TKO. Impressive stuff. Suffered his first professional defeat to Alex Caceres, which is not bad to have at all. Um, got a heel hook in his next fight. Lost to Steven Pearson. Uh, big finish at Felipe Corlares next time out. I mean, he's from Washington. You know, the 24-year-old, four KOs and five subs of his 12 victories. Um, in October 2022, did get knocked out, did get finished for the first time in his career. But that was by Steve Garcia. Steve is an absolute killer. Right, I just had Steve. The, the, the one guy he lost to is currently on a two-fight win streak. Both knockouts. Incredible. But yeah, picked up a dominant win over Nick Fior last time out in May. He's back, but I'm sorry, Chase. I'm going with um, Jordan Livett. The Monkey King is very talented. I know how good he is. I've seen it. His only losses are to Claudio Puelas and Patty Pimblett, two very good unranked fighters. And um, you know what? I think Chase Hooper just needs to keep gaining experience. And he's like six years away from his prime. Pretty much fighters reach their prime in their 30s or like when they're 29. So you got some time, buddy. You got some time. Co-main event, one of my favorites of the night. Can't wait for this one. A welterweight matchup between Michael Morales. Not, not, no, Michael Morales. I think of Spider-Man. And Jake the Celtic Kid Matthews. Michael Morales, a perfect 15-0. Jake Matthews, 19-6. and six. six foot to 5'11". Michael's got the inch, the inch, two-inch height advantage. And a notable six-inch reach advantage for Michael Morales. 79 to 73. Both fighters are orthodox stance Fighters, Michael Morales, born in Ecuador, um, now lives in Mexico, only 24 years old. It's crazy looking at him compared to Chase Hooper. If you, if you guys watch the card this weekend, just the difference of 24-year-olds builds. Incredible. Like I said, 15-0, 11 knockouts, one sub. This guy does not like to mess around. 3-0 in the UFC so far, one on season five of Daniel's Contender Series. Got a round one knockout of Trevin Giles in his UFC debut and a round three knockout of Adam Fujit in July of 2022. He's had one fight this year in July. It was actually on the first UFC event we covered on the podcast, UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Mago Medoff, where he won a unanimous decision over Max Griffin. His first real test proved he can handle the pressure. Michael now gets another step up in Jake the Celtic King Matthews. Jake from Australia. He's 29 years of age. 29 years old, however you want to phrase it. Um, five KOs and eight subs of his 19 victories. Not too bad. Um, only been the dis. Oh, no, what is this? Um, he joined the UFC when he was 20 years old. All right, he's been fighting in the UFC since he was 20 years old, since 2014. I mean, he's f- he's had losses to James Vick, losses to Kevin Lee, wins over Lee Jing Leong, impressive, wins over Diego Sanchez, lost to Sean Brady, win over Andre Fialo. I mean, he is coming off a huge win in July. Got a round two rear naked chokehold of Darius Flowers. Um, so, yeah, Jake Matthews is tough. But we're, we're rooting for Michael Morales in this one. We're picking Michael Morales. 15-0. This is just another step up for him. It's very even. It's very even. Um, I'll say that Michael will probably lean more towards keeping on the feet. He likes throwing hands. Now, he, he, can't, he does have a ground arsenal. Don't get me wrong. 
But he's also been taken down, so I'm sure Jake Matthews will want to get this to the ground. He won't want to keep it standing. But uh, we'll be rooting for Michael Morales in this one. And if he wins, he might get himself a ranked spot come Tuesday when the rankings update. But um, just like that, just like that, we reach the final fight of the evening. This was a long one, boys. Holy cow. 14 fights. Who knows if they'll all make it past weigh-ins. I mean, as of Thursday night, all the fights are good. But, I mean, stuff changes all the time. So, our main event, middleweight matchup. I mean, it's what we've all been waiting for, honestly. Maybe it is. Maybe it is what you've all been waiting for. Between Brendan, all in Allen, and Paul Bearjew. Craig, love that freaking nickname. Paul, by the way, Brendan is ranked 10 at uh, men's middleweight. Paul Craig ranked 13th. So, a little top 15 action for you here. Brendan, 22-5. Paul Craig, 17-6-1. 6'3 to 6'2 in favor of Paul Craig. 76-inch reach to 75 in favor of Paul Craig. Pre-equal size-wise, both fighters fight orthodox. Paul Craig, ladies and gentlemen, from Scotland. He's 35 years old. Of his 17 victories, 4 by knockout, 13 by sub. He's only been the distance once in his entire career. And that fight was against Volkan Ozdemir in July of 2022. Since then, all all finishes. Actually, he's been twice. He had a draw. But other than that, all uh, all finishes. Or maybe that was for his wins. I don't know. Who cares? Um, Paul been doing it in the UFC since 2016. He's fought a who's who's of guys. He's beaten Magomedov Goliath. He's lost to Khalil Roundtree. He's beaten Kenny and Chukwu. He's lost to Jimmy Crute. He's lost to Alonzo Menfield. He's beaten Mauricio Rua. He's actually... Is the only man to ever beat Jamal Hill, your uh, former uh, light heavyweight champion. Um, beat Nikita Krylov. Um, did lose earlier this year in January to Johnny Walker. Left the light heavyweight division. Picked up a huge win over Andre Munez in July of this year. Round two uh, performance of the night, uh, TKO. And now finds himself in a main event against Brendan. All in Allen and Brendan from Louisiana. 27 years old main event and gotta feel happy for the kid. Five KOs and 13 subs of his 22 victories. This guy loves to submit people. Joined the UFC in 2019 after winning on Damage Contender Series with a rear naked chokehold. In his UFC debut, he submitted Kevin Allen with a rear naked chokehold. TKO'd Tom Breeze next time out, beat Kyle Dawkins, then suffered his first UFC loss to Sean Strickland. Got TKO'd in round two, being uh, your only loss to the middleweight champion. Not too bad. Then ankle-locked Carl Roberson next time out. Um, beat Punali Soriano. Suffered his second UFC loss to Chris Curtis. Round 2 TKO. Unfortunate loss there. But since then, since December 2021, he is yet to lose. In February of 2022, rear naked chokehold over Sam Alvey. Went the distance against Jacob Malkoon. Tough one. But on my birthday in 2022, submitted Christoph Joker rear naked chokehold. What did he do in February of 2023 this year? submitted Andre Munoz with the rear naked chokehold. And if you were to bet all the money in the world, what I'm about to say next, what do you think he did to Bruno Silva in June of this year in round one, a rear naked chokehold? This guy, this guy is one, two, three, four, five, five rear naked chokehold victories in the UFC. I mean, this guy's an absolute beast, dominant, dominant this year. All right. I did not think he would beat Andre Munoz. I knew he would beat Bruno Silva, and guess what? We're riding with Brendan Allen over Paul Craig. And, you know, I'm actually I'm actually kind of, like, torn on how confident I am. I'm actually, like, very confident 
in um, Brendan Allen for this matchup. I, I truly believe Brendan Allen can get this done, truly submit Paul Craig even, or maybe even take him out on the feet. This will be interesting to see where this fight goes. But, um, hey, you know what? I'm I'm all in. I'm all in, just like Brendan Allen's nickname. But should be a good card. Should be a fun one. Let's, uh, let's recap everything. We're going with uh, Rafael Estevam, Trey Ogden, Aling Perez, Jekka Saragai, Kyle Machado, Christian Leroy Duncan, uh, Chad Hellinger, Joe Anderson Brito, main card, Euros Medic, Luiana Panero, Peyton Talbot, Jordan Levitt, Michael Morales, and Brendan Allen. Those are all my picks for UFC Fight Night, Paul versus Craig, or UFC Vegas, 82, if that's be what you will. And with a win over Paul Craig, I mean, whoever wins this will be looking at a top 10 guy next. I know Brendan Allen will be calling for a title shot. That won't be in the cards. I know he's got beef with Hamza Chimaya, if you could do that fight next. But um, this should be a fun one. Should be a fun one this weekend. I should be watching it. Going to be working on a lot of homework this weekend. I have a management paper to write. I'm working on a personal paper to write. I have to review my group mates for a class review my company for a class, work on a slide for a class. It's just absolutely insane. Just tell my essays. I got to write. I actually probably have other work to do, but I'll map all that out tomorrow or something. Should be a fun one. Thank you all. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. You know, this is a fun one. It's crazy how long it just adds up. I mean, uh, th- I'm recording this. I started this at like 6, and it's 9. All right, It's crazy how long it breaks I take at times or just to even like do other stuff. But, um, you know, it's fun. I always enjoy doing this. Hope everyone has a good weekend. Of course, check out my company, Evergrowing Co. We're short-term, man. It's about to come to an end. It's very sad. I've, I've just been just, this has been a life-changing semester for me. Just loved it so much. Um, Hoist, Hoist, a beautiful hydration drink. Hit me up for the sponsor. I'm still calling for it. I'll keep calling for it. Um, this was a good one. Reviewed my top 10 TV shows, of course. NFL Week 11 predictions locked in, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come in next time and listen to the Surprise Jab Podcast. That did not hit. That ending did not hit as much as I thought it would, but guess what? Have a blessed weekend. I'll catch y'all next time.